It's nice to have you. It's very nice to have you. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. You know, it's actually rare that I interview friends. I mean, I, I have interviewed friends of mine before, but it is actually rare. And it's actually always interesting because I learn a lot about them from doing research that I didn't know before. And it, sometimes it makes me either feel like I'm a bit of a bad friend because it's available on the Googles or <laughs> we just don't make our lives about work, which is also a testament to uh, the bond, right? Is this you telling me you spent the last three weeks Googling me? This is me telling you that my researcher did that <laughs> and I read okay. it. I hope you got, I hope you got great footnotes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh it's it's juicy. Just whole background check and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're invited to a dinner party with Jeremy Fall. Yeah. You're invited to a dinner party. Come on, come on. Yeah. It's weird because growing up. I feel like I was always like the young, like the young authority, right? The youth authority to a certain extent. Like everyone was coming up to, I feel like you probably feel the same. Everyone was coming up. Oh my up. God. I am mid crisis about exactly okay. this, this like matter. Let's start there because I feel like my whole thing was always like, I don't want age to define me. Right. And I really want to dig in this with you too. And I think also probably like as a woman and things like that, it's also different. Right. Yeah. But you know, now I don't know what happened. We got older. <laughs> but, but like, I feel like I woke up and I no longer was that. And it was like, all of a sudden, t I think TikTok killed our, like killed our, like vibe. our mojo, right? Our vibe, <laughs> right? Because like, so I've, I want to dig in about that with you. So, so we're about the same age. We're, we're a little bit apart, but we're about the same age. I think um, for me, it was always exactly that. Like kind of a bit of a young overachiever. And, um, and then suddenly I was like, oh no. Oh no, just just in the kind of normal category uh, with with everybody else, and here we are. Because you were you were CEO at what age? Thirty. Okay, we're talking about CEO quintessentially, obviously at thirty, mm -hmm. um, which was a massive, massive, massive is not should say was is a massive, massive company. So I think you also have something different than me. Like I've always dictated my you know, quote unquote, CEO positions. And anytime I've achieved success, it's like, okay, well, I created this. So I feel like there's a different kind of satisfaction and people are like, yeah, but if there's, you know, when you create it, it's a much bigger satisfaction. I actually feel like maybe it's because I don't know this. If I were able to get a job as, you know, the CEO of a, of like a large company like that, I feel like that would be more of a testament to my success because it's like, that was dictated by other people and other people have validated that quote unquote worthiness. Right. So I think it's such an interesting thing, right? Because I, I think when you're, when you're your own, I mean, you're your own boss to a certain extent as when you're the CEO of another company, mm. but when you're creating your own thing, it's like, there's no one to tell you did a good job or anything. It's really yourself. So walk us, walk us through it. So you, you started like, you kind of did the whole mail room to CEO story, right? Yeah, I started, I started um, as an EA and actually I've got, I've got my, my new EA here with me today. It's our very first day. Um, and I was just telling her that um, I started as an EA myself and it was the best job ever. I got, I got to learn everything. I got to see how things really worked, how things operated. And I got insight to the, the way the top operates straight away. It was amazing. And I got to do some cool experiences as well. So you started as an EA. Uh, mm -hmm. How old were you? How young were you? Sorry. How young was I? God, it was straight from university. 21, 22. So I was like three years ago. Okay, go on. Exactly. <laughs> living in Athens, Greece, living the dream. 
um, in sunny Athens, uh, my 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 motherland, my homeland. And it was amazing. It was amazing. I worked insanely hard, but I got to experience things I never imagined I'd get to experience. And then, so you you obviously you graduated. There was a few steps until becoming CEO, and I know you're it's like very humble. So I'm gonna have to like pull it out of you. <laughs> yeah. um, I know how you are. So by all means, please, this is, this is, there's no time for like humility right now. We have, you know what I mean? Like this, the whole point is you talking about your European in me. Well, um, I get it. I'm European too. <laughs> there you go, forget. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I then kind of graduated into, into, into a different job. Um, and I worked alongside the founders of Quintessentially in driving global revenue and partnerships. So really it was all about global growth. Um, and um, yeah, and, and from there, um, I got the opportunity. Uh, somebody said to me, I went, I went to somebody very successful for some advice um, about my career. And they said, well, it's great that, you know, you think you're great and you think that everybody essentially knows you're, you're, you're good at your job, but the outside world doesn't because you haven't owned anything for the world to see. Um, so this person said to me, you really need to own something and, and have your name to it. So I went back and I thought, what can I own? And the opportunity came to come out and run the U.S., um, so I got to kind of own that market that became a great success. And then I got, got the call for the big job. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the rest is somewhat history at exactly. that point. Exactly. So I want to go back really quick. Cause I, I, I really want to dig into this point. Um, yeah. I was going to actually bring it up later, but this whole you thing, right. I obviously it triggers questions of identity. Um, mm -hmm. when you are, I think, I don't know if this is similar because I'm not a child actor, but if this is like a similar thing to a child actor syndrome, where for some reason, youth is a separate form of currency, right? And it's weird because I feel like, you know, knowledge is obviously, knowledge and experience are a huge form of currency, especially in, in any in any industry. But I, I think I think we were on the bridge of youth becoming cool and valuable because- mm -hmm it wasn't a thing. And all of a sudden it was a thing. And now it's the only thing that matters. Youth is the only thing that matters. And if the more experience you have and the older you are, it's almost like your value becomes irrelevant as opposed to the younger generation. Right? So the generation that's coming right after us, the current, the, this infamous disease, right? Uh, they don't know a world where youth isn't. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Right. That's all they know. Like they mm -hmm. never had that transition. They never like the, the idea of, you know, and even like the idea of like their life patterns, right. Of, you know, I'm going to go to school, get a job, you know, I'm going to make six figures at X and then 401ks. Like if they know what a 401k is, I'd be pretty surprised, you know what I mean? Because their 401k is Bitcoin. Like mm -hmm. that's how they think. Like their money has become so easy to make and spend. It's just like, it, it's, there's no such thing as really like this long-term wealth building anymore it's very short term and it's very fickle right so i i wonder like what like do you think that that is something that is going to be a value to the future of like what our world looks like in terms of like innovation because like there's this like confidence that they're just that's just ingrained them or do you think it's going to come back and essentially bite us in the ass i think it will come back i mean i think everything's a cycle um maybe maybe that's me wanting to be optimistic about it uh, but 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 yeah that, i i think it will always 
come back round. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's interesting. I, I think I thought that the pandemic and I, I, to a certain extent, I believe that the pandemic has valued experience more. And I look in the hospitality space and even though I'm not like technically in the restaurant space anymore, I see the, like the jobs that people I know are going after and whatnot. And, you know, the days of the 22 year old tattooed general manager of a hotel that just looks cool. Those days are kind of over and I'm seeing a lot more of let's go back to the people that, you know, are kind of hospitality juggernauts and, mm-hmm. and people who have the, that experience and then maybe like mixing it with a little bit of the, of the youth. Mm-hmm. But there was a point where the industry was really had just become like yeah. an Instagram feed, right? It was just like, like, who's going to be able to like understand social media. That was basically like the only requirement. Yeah, but I, I think I think COVID, I think the pandemic has provoked a kind of reset and rethink across across almost everything. Um, and I think service and hospitality is definitely one of the things uh, because of its absence um, that we got to rethink. And but it also accelerated our world, in my opinion, by about five years. I would oh, say like totally insane. Condensed five years into five months and in some instances five weeks it was it was just wild i mean the way i feel like we're living and i'm speaking maybe for myself but the way we're living now compared to uh, a year and a half ago is completely different mm-hmm. i mean has, has your way of thinking changed in terms of like your work i think my life has fundamentally shifted in an irreversible kind of way in a, in a good way um my whole existence is completely different the way i operate day to day definitely the way I think about things yeah it's and maybe to your point I would have gotten there in the next five years anyway and it it happened it happened more quickly um but yeah absolutely when you say existence what do you mean your whole existence I mean I have so I was you know I was on the road all the time pre-pandemic 70% of my time I was you know on a flight traveling um obviously that came to a grinding halt like many people around the world but I discovered nature you know I discovered I, I spend my weekends out of the city now horse riding walking dogs you know hiking just just something that wasn't really a part of my life before and now I can't imagine not being a part of my life um so that's what I mean my existence has just shifted my my whole entire life looks different it's interesting I know your your whole belief is having a plan right I know you're very big on the why of things yeah um, which, of course. which I understand I mean I'd love for you to talk more about that and actually I'm curious how someone who has a plan and believes in plan for everything adapts to a situation like this? Mm -hmm. I I think for me, a plan is out there to be guidelines, not, not rules. So I like to kind of have an idea of where I'm going with the full adaptability of if the magic of life throws something out at me, I can, I can kind of change course. Um, So it's, it's really just like a guide. It's kind of like a North star. It's, It's a guide. But, but how I, you know, follow it um, is totally flexible to, to what the world throws up at me and, and who I meet along the way. Do you really believe that? Or is that just bullshit? Tell yourself. I'm curious. What? The, I the, plan, the plan part. The plan part. Having like a plan? Plans. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I love it. But, but, but with the full flexibility to tear it apart if I want to. Okay. I mean, I rarely do, but, but, <laughs> but I can. So, do you consider yourself creative? It's so interesting. So I didn't used to, but part of the reason I 
changed roles and I am now in my new role uh, was because I really wanted to expand kind of the creative muscles uh, in my mind. So a big part of it um, was being able to grow creatively as well. Um, the pausing during COVID has made me realize I'm more creative than I maybe realized. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the journey I'm on now. I mean, but you, you're someone who needs structure, right? So if you you like to think outside the box, within a box, with the lid off, basically. Maybe. I don't think I like to think within a box. Um, I think I just, it's not so free that there's like no structure or no guidelines or it's like completely abstract. I like some structure to my thinking, but I definitely don't like to be confined. Let's say tomorrow you were completely pulled out of what you're doing now and thrown into a completely opposite industry. Would you think you'd thrive in that environment and trying to kind of figure out? Okay. So, so, so even though that's outside your guidelines. Totally. I think, I think if I was pulled out and then put into nothingness, I might, you know, Do, do you think you like having guidelines so that you can break them? Yes. Okay. So it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy of like, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a form of success for you to draw outside the lines, even though the lines were created by you, right? Cause it gives you some exactly, sense of, exactly, okay. exactly, exactly. Okay. It's like you're driving a car and like the rebellious side wants to switch lanes without signaling. Yeah. Or it's just like an, you know, it's just like, yeah, exactly that. Or it's just like an anchor if I need it. That's really interesting. We all have different ways of thinking. Like that's what, that's what I love about talking to people like you is just we're so different in our thinking. Like I love proving myself wrong. And then I like proving that wrong, wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just constantly like, I want to be able to like reinvent every single thing, recreate like every. Ch- so it's kind of the same. I guess you could say that I understand the loose guidelines. I think the way you, I think you're much more organized thinker than I am in terms of like structure and, and, you know, and whatnot. But I think there's like a lot of similarities in our, in our patterns. Right. Definitely. I, I think those are patterns of, of uh, people that are driven towards something or running from something or trying to create something. So, so I think they're, they're patterns of, of kind of those people. And why, and why do you do it? What's your why? What's my why? I just, I think time is really limited and, and I just want to, I always want to like maximize the time I've got and to do the most with the time I've got. Um, so I really do think time is precious. Um, and I just want to like, I don't know, do things. And the do the most meaning creative achievement, meaning money, meaning. No, definitely. No, not money. Um, impact, influence, learning, just like experiencing. Yeah. So basically let's say, you know, you had to look back at your life at the end of your life. You'd want to look Mm -hmm. back and be like, there's nothing more I could have really done. I really maximized every second on this planet. Yeah. I, I definitely, when I look back, I hope it's a life that has made an impact on the world. I I hope it's like left good things. Like I'd love to use my time wisely. Um, you know, for the betterment of something other than just me. Right, but also I feel like there's, there needs to be some level of, of selflessness a little bit in certain aspects, right? Because I think in order to, to give successfully and give back, you know, there, there has to be a time, there has to be a time where we did things for ourselves, right? Because yeah. otherwise you end up in this never ending mm-hmm. hole. 
my driver is the learning, right? I love, I love just like learning new things and experiencing new things and just whether that's new conversations with interesting people, whether that's going somewhere new or seeing something new, um, that, that's my personal like driver. I just love it. I just, it just fulfills me so much. If you're attracted to things that are new, how does that, how does that work in, you know, long-term building and growth, right? Because I get the, the concept of building is obviously building upon something existing. It's never new. It's adding on. How does that work? I guess it's the evolution of things. So ideas evolve, people evolve, things evolve. So it, I'm not, I'm not necessarily seeking a newness in its entirety, but the evolution of, of ideas and conversations and people. So, so, okay. So let's go back the to journey. something. Oh, okay. So the, so the process is really what's, what's key for you. And yeah, so yeah. now, now you are uh, the CEO of a new company mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Brilliant Minds. I'd love for you to tell us more about that. Great. Um, so Brilliant Minds is a foundation um, and it brings together the most creative individuals uh, in the world um, and they come together on world-changing ideas. So it really is the convening of, of Brilliant Minds um, on ideas that may have a long-term impact. Um, it's a Swedish foundation, so the board are a very esteemed and established individuals from within Sweden um, and it's rooted in the belief that Swedish values of openness, transparency, gender equality and sustainability um, really are there for the betterment of you know a long-term society so how can we as people of influence or businesses that can make an impact take those values and make the world a better place absolutely so you would say that this is pretty much an evolution of what you were doing before essentially mixed with what and by the way that was the best mission statement i've ever heard like off the cuff thanks i was gonna say i feel like you've maybe said this before Really, not that much. It's so new. Yeah, I mean, I you weren't reading it either because I was like looking at your eyes. I was like, "She's reading this," but no, you just really like that was a natural. I love it. I'm so excited about the new role, and and I love Brilliant Minds, and I've been part of that community for a few years, and I just I think it's easy when you like fundamentally believe something, um, and you're inspired by it. Absolutely, and and the founder is uh, Daniel, the founder of Spotify. Yes, so Daniel Eck um, created this with the co-founder, Ash, um, and now Daniel is the chairman of the board, and he's brought together this amazing board as well. Which, I mean, which is, you know, I I always think people that do, again, going back to the multiple things, someone who is like a vision in, in, in you know, a business vision in a creative medium, right? Like music, when it's an industry Mm -hmm. that needed so much disruption at the time, I think people don't realize what the music industry was before Spotify. Yeah. and. no, I think that's, you know, th- this sounds like it is the evolution you were talking about. So you see, a, you see one similar trajectory from switching CEO position to CEO position. There's some sort of a, a through line throughout all of yeah, this. Yeah, of course. Of course. Definitely. Definitely. I have one question for you that yes. is, well, I have a million questions. I mean, but Ask away. one specific, how different do you think your career would have been had you been a man? Um, I was mean, the first thing if I was just going to go with what I wanted to say without a, with uh, uh, a, an oh, no. filter. I think I I would have been less successful. You think you've been less successful? I think so. I don't think I'd have worked as hard. That's really interesting. Please dig into that. 
I, I think I, ha- I feel as though I had to work two, three, four, five times harder than my male counterparts still do. Um, that they have to, that I have to think about my decisions differently, my behavior, um, proving myself. Um, and, and, and I think that when I realized that that's what I needed to do, that was a big, a big driver for me. Um, and maybe had it come a little bit more easily, I wouldn't have worked so hard. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think, I think one of the issues too, in being successful as a woman, and mm-hmm. please correct me if I'm wrong, because I can't speak for that, obviously. What bothers me as a man who is a very big feminist, who was raised by a woman, who's been surrounded by women my whole life, is when I see these articles that are like women to watch, why does that have to be specified? It's almost like you won the race, but not the main race. I, the- it's, I read something the other day. I hope I'm not going to mess this quote up, but it was like, I, I read it online and it said, instead of, instead of calling people feminists, why don't we just call anyone that isn't a feminist sexist? That's an amazing idea. That's like, an amazing. That's, it's that's just, the whole, yeah, the whole world. Like we should all just you know, gender equality is gender equality. Um, I agree with you, by the way, and and I'm, I'm many people you know may feel comfortable in like women's only clubs and, and things like this. I gain a lot from my male counterparts as well. Um, I, I like I like a variety of opinions in things I do, and I, I like to be in in groups of people with a different set of ideas and experiences, genders, ages, ethnicity, sexual orientation, just just a a, a mix um, because that's how I evolve as well. Do you think that it'll ever be possible? for women to be considered quote unquote equal in these standards if we continue to have women awards women leadership women empowerment like if we keep segregating women and highlighting them as different do you think there's ever a chance for equality well i think there are two questions i i have to fundamentally believe that there is a chance for equality um otherwise you know i wouldn't get out of bed in the morning um (laughs) do i think that I, I think that there's good and bad in everything. The good of having these women's only, and you know, I've been on some of these lists, is that it draws attention and raises an issue up. Um, so do I think without these, we we would be pushing for more women on board? I don't think we would. I don't think the issue would have had the attention that it needed. When the world is at a place where it's no longer needed, is that the right place to be? Probably, uh, but I, but I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't say it's a bad thing. It's not always the route I choose, but I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. Anything that highlights and gives attention to an issue um, for the long term good is, is you know, is a necessity. I, I completely agree. I mean, my my thinking, my theory on this is, you know, I the way I think is when I get asked like what my opinion is on gay marriage or whatever it is, any sort of, I get, I'm upset at the question. Mm. It's not my answer. My answer is always, why would you even ask me that in 2021 or 2020 or 2019? I've been thinking about like this for a long, long time, my whole life pretty much. So to me, it's the question, right? Like the fact that we have a term like gay marriage, it's not just marriage. And and obviously we can Mm. get into that for like a long, long time. I, I completely agree with you in the sense that I think in order to get to that actual midpoint, we have to go extreme the other way. So it gets reeled back in, right? Mm-hmm. Because if, if something isn't highlighted, if you don't have 
all these gay prides and pride months and everything, like people just won't listen. It has to be shoved down their throats over and over and over again, which is extremely sad. I think there's, it's going to be an interesting turning point the day where things get real back in, because that's where I think we'll eventually achieve true equality is when difference isn't highlighted, right? I think when you highlight difference, I would never say you're part of the problem because you're not. I, I really do think that difference needs to be highlighted, but it is still elongating the process. Now, when to stop highlighting that I have no idea. And that's what I'm interested in learning is like, how, like, where do you, where does it go where it just becomes equality without trying to push the information? I think, I think when it, when it, the world is a fair place. And by the way, I don't have the answer to this. It's just, so I just wonder about yeah. these things all the time. Cause it's like, like it's, you know, I, I love to, I love to sit with people who disagree. I say this quite a bit and it's a very controversial opinion, but I'd love to have a Nazi or someone from the KKK on this podcast because I'd love to understand how they think. No, I'm serious. Like I would love to understand. I, 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 way, I, think, I think, I think giving, giving, giving platforms to, to things that that's my opinion. But I see. So I, I disagree. If I said, here's, I'm giving you a platform, go speak like whatever you want. That's a different story. If I just lend them my Instagram account. however. If I'm having a conversation, anyone who thinks like you and I do is not going to be convinced by hearing someone like on a podcast. There's no way. If anything, no, no, they, I do. Yeah, I mean, my my, my personal mine mine just goes back to maximizing the time. You know, I've got, if I have if I have time to and a platform to give to something, I want to give it to something that can change the world for the better. I agree with you. In an idealistic perspective, I agree yes. with you. In a, in a more pragmatic perspective, <laughs> I, actually, I actually think that, I'm, I'm actually pretty convinced that there, you know, there are people out there who probably, you know, who may be racist. Let's just use the African-American example, right? They're not necessarily believers of the KK or, or backers of the KK. They're just racist, which has become somewhat of a commodity these days, unfortunately. However, I feel like listening to someone say these things if anything, may give them perspective on how insane it is and how, because I feel like a lot of times, like, you know, context is something that we lack of. And, you know, it's something I bring up all the time and it, it applies in every single scenario from the Israeli-Palestinian conflict to BLM to everything, right? It's just, it's context. The people that were against BLM were like, you know, he committed a crime, he paid for it. Okay, the people that were like us, who obviously big supporters of BLM, were like, okay, the context is being lost here. This person did this, okay, but this was the consequence, and then we measure out the consequence and you know, and the actual mm -hmm. action. There's different thinking there, right? It's it's the same situation, different thinking pattern. There's no context, right? And people make their opinions with not a lot of information. A lot of times, it's oh, this celebrity said something, or this is what I think, or this appeals to me personally, like. I, I am a black person who, you know, was abused by the cops my whole life. Even if that person had killed three cops, I would still back them because that's nothing compared to what they've done to us. Someone else who has never suffered from that will look at that and be like, that person's a criminal. It's, it's context, right? So it, to me, I think the more context, the better. And a lot of people that could be believers of something like the KKK might actually listen to these things and be like, this is absolute fucking bullshit right there was this famous story of this guy that a black man who managed to turn 300 kkk members 
away from the KKK just by speaking to them, right? So when I say I want to interview these people, I would love to be able to talk to someone and be like, okay, I am as a Jewish man and you're a Nazi, you think I should be dead. Please explain why. I would love to hear that and understand how you can think that way because my brain just can't go there. And that's what interests me. I'm not interested in having just comfortable conversations as much as no, I love this conversation. Of, of course. <laughs> um, no, I, the, I, for me, they're two distinct matters. Having, I like having uncomfortable conversations. I just, I just don't want to give a platform to, to ideas that aren't going to, to benefit the world. And look, and I agree with that. And, and yours, your reasoning makes a lot more sense than mine. I, that's that's your structured exactly that's exactly (laughs) and here it comes full circle that's exactly me working within my my guidelines and yeah that's me trying to go opposite of everything and believe (laughs) and try to like and try to also test the waters like i you know i my risk tolerance is very high more than a lot of people's um it could probably be compared to you know insanity or naivete whatever you want to call it but that's that's interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how we veered in conversation with KKK and Nazis and whatnot, but I I feel like it was it really made sense. You <laughs> went from your new position as CEO of Brilliant Minds to that. I know. Really makes a lot of sense. So going back to that, because I I want to hear yeah. more about that. So your why, right? Your why, why. I feel like your why and how you describe what you're doing now for this foundation are like very much the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The two things, you know, the stars really have aligned. I feel incredibly grateful for this opportunity because I get to do something, you know, every day that, that matters to me and, in a very true sense. And you, and I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem to be more uh, surrounded by create, like creatives and yeah, creativity in general. Okay. Exactly. I'll be thinking like you by the end of the year. I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> you're going to call um, me there. You're be like, I want to meet with Mussolini. Um, I am I definitely am surrounded by a lot of creative creative and just truly brilliant people I mean yeah that's hence the name of the foundation exactly Uh, do you I mean look I hate I really hate this question when people ask me this but I'm gonna ask it I'm gonna ask it to you no, you're, you're going to love it because it's very generic. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. What is, not in the sense that that's what you are, but it's structured. <laughs> <laughs> what, it, what is, like, if you, in 10 years from now, I'm not going to give you your end goal. Like, uh, sure. I feel like it's really good. Yeah. 10 years. Give me 10 years. Life or, or work? Let's do both. Let's do work first and then life. Um, work. I, I, hope I've, I hope I've used the platform I've got to make an impact, to really make an impact, to, to change the world in a positive way. We all want to change the world. Dig deeper. No, no I don't think everybody <laughs> wants to change the world. I think some people want to just enjoy their lives, um, which is also okay. Um, I think I think if you have even a small platform, but especially as, as you get, uh, you know, have a bigger and bigger platform, as you know, um, I think there is there is a responsibility to society and the world to do something with that that is more than just self or ego. Um, so I, I want to have been able to use whatever little or otherwise influence I've got um, to make things happen that benefit other people, whether that's changing policy, whether that's helping startups grow that impact the world, whether that's, I don't know what that is yet, but like tangible change, actual change. In terms of ego, do you believe that ego is important in the early stages of what we do? 
yeah of course I mean I had um I did a personality test you're like this I had to um for, for something and um not that I'm a big believer in them but I had to do it and and they came back and they were like so you've fallen into the category of insecure overachiever I was like yeah give me an overachiever that doesn't fall into that category I mean we're all driven yeah exactly I was like we're all yeah. driven we're all driven by a desire to prove do you know be in the early stages especially that definitely comes from from ego or self or proving something yeah for sure yeah, I mean you know I think I, I then, do please I was just gonna say and then hopefully as you mature you kind of like mellow into it Absolutely. I mean, I, I do miss the days, the early days, because I actually think I was, I was, I was a very different thinker and a much more simple thinker. Like I, I didn't think about the ancillary things as much in the sense that like, you know, we, I, like the way we even talk now, it's like, are you drawing outside lines, inside lines? Those are the guidelines. Are, mm. you know, they're not, it's like back then you just, you just did. Yeah. Just because there was, there was no why other than the fact that you wanted to. And sometimes, you know, I do miss that. Now I think there's whys that there are whys that we actually believe in. There's the whys that we make ourselves yeah. believe that we also make ourselves believe, you know, and there was a time I'm sure you can relate where Absolutely. You, just, you just went for it. And it was pretty simple. It's very simple. Yeah. No, I think mine has probably, maybe it's, you know, and I, I think mine has simplified again especially since COVID. That's what I was just about to say. So I feel like it's come full circle in that sense, right? Exactly. And here we, yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I, I was, I have, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, right? The, the difference of branding between 2019, 2020 and 2021, right? I will give you my short theory and then I would love, love to hear your thoughts, right? Okay. 2019 was i would say we were at the height of curation over mm-hmm. over over curation right mm-hmm. it was like every instagram post was a highlight high to filters high of influencers high it was we we were all like really living in a highlight right yeah 2020 stripped away from award shows events anything there was really no room for bullshit you couldn't say hey i'm at this bar we know you're not it's closed. You know I mean? yeah. So we were really, you know, at the height of just being ourselves, right? 2021 is kind of this rebirth, right? It's, we're smarter, we're more knowledgeable, for the most part, we've grown, you know, so my theory is, what is the importance of branding in a market where authenticity has now become the most valuable currency? Do you think that we are going to go back to the 2019 mentality and it's going to go back to that? Or do you think now that we've lived a more authentic year, things are going to be different? Yeah, I I don't think you can go back. I agree. Now, if that's really the case, what is the importance of branding? Because the concept of branding is being able to depict something that is created, right? Created by woman or man, right? So we create these brands with this ethics code or whatever it is, this like this moral compass or set of Mm -hmm. values, whatever you want to call it. Right. And then we build upon that. Right. And if you're living in authenticity, it goes completely against the grain, like color palettes, all those things go out the window. Why? 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 
because I think that, and this is where the, I guess the debate is, right? I think branding, when something is branded, there has to be even either a smaller or bigger fragment of that that is created. That doesn't necessarily come from 100% authenticity, but comes from more from the goal of what you're sure, but, but, but an aspiration or an inspiration can still be meaningful and authentic. It can just be a desire or a dream for something greater. It can, right? But I do think that the more something is curated, the the less authentic, not authentic, I just wanted to find authenticity too. I don't mean authentic like it's bullshit or it's a lie or it's, or it's, yeah, yeah. Or it's, you know, it's, it's uh, deceiving. I don't mean inauthentic in a negative way. I mean, it's, it's stripped away from its rarest form. 2020, what people loved was their favorite celebrities didn't get a haircut, didn't get, you know, it was like, this is me. This is my mental health. This is, this is like, we were all so vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. That vulnerability is now pulling back, but we're still our authentic selves. But now building a brand in 2021, I mean, you know, there was, I would say there was a time where like doing things that were ostentatious and loud and things were, were fine. Doing that now, the way the markets change, it impossible. You yeah. will get shut down. Yeah. It, it's impossible, right? So in that sense, I feel like that's what branding does. Branding builds a perception that is greater than what you're doing. That's why it's branding. It's like, this is my product and this is how we're going to build upon this. Right. So if I'm scaling that down to its most authentic form, what do you think the power of that additional, the Delta that builds upon it is? What is the value in 2021? Is that even necessary? Or is it just, this is, it's that simple thinking we're talking about. Well, I think, I think, I, I think the dream or hope or the aspiration is always necessary. Um, but I hear, I hear the question. I don't have the answer. You're the branding expert. Oh, I don't have the answer either. So I'm asking you. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the way I look at it, right? Because sometimes I, I, I get wordy. I'm certain it's necessary to exist, though. I don't think you can take that away. Do you think the $20 mass-produced white T-shirt is as valuable as the $120 white T-shirt with the story that was ethically sourced? And all those things, like, do you think? I think the latter is far more valuable. Far more valuable, right? And not not because price point dictates it, but because storyline dictates it, right? More than storyline, because the reality dictates it. If something In, is sort, yeah, intention, intention, right? Yeah. So intentionality is something that I feel like that's a word that keeps coming up. And what I do is like intentionality. I feel like is what twenty twenty one is going to be where everything's yeah. intentional, everything's intentional. Before it was, it, a lot of it was up for interpretation and, and whatnot. I feel like now it's like, you know, this is our foundation. This is what we're doing. You're kind of coming in on a clean slate because mm-hmm. there was, I'm, my assumption is during that year, there were no dinners and gatherings, obviously. Right. We, for, we've, had, we've had a couple of years, yeah. So you're coming in on a blank page that you, you get to rewrite kind of on your own terms. Mm-hmm. So strength, and obviously with, with, you know, the blessing of, of your peers, but so the way you would have run this company in 2020 would be different than 2021. Yeah, absolutely. 2021, more about the intentionality of everything. Yeah, of course. Of you course. got like the biggest headache at the end of this podcast. No, not at all. <laughs> I love this stuff. No, I just I know. need, I... you know, an ocean view and a glass of wine to go with it. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, in New York, I mean, I'm from California, so that's like <laughs> that's normal to me. For you, that's like I'm from, I'm from Greece. That's also normal to me. I, that um, is also true. Yeah, I'm really look. I'm really interested in, in seeing what you do. This, like, you know, I've always been a huge fan of yours. Um, I'm very excited. You think very differently than me, which is a great thing. We need more people <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I just, I'm really. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see. I love this mission. I love that, you know, foundations now are becoming more common than just charity, tax write-off, PR moves, yes. which, yeah, is, which, which is something really interesting about this is that like, you know, what I like about this foundation is that it could have very well been just a company, right? Mm-hmm. But it chose to be a foundation. Yeah. When, when you're... I'm going to use the stereotypical example. When you're feeding children in Africa, you don't have a choice to be a company or a foundation, right? And that's what's cool is that I think, again, it's the intentionality. Like, I love that the the story is authentic. What you're doing is is very authentic and real, and it shows to be a foundation and not just a regular company. I think that's what really makes it unique. I agree. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what you do with it. There's lots of, lots of, Good things coming up. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep harassing you with questions randomly about these kinds of things of along your journey. Definitely. You know it, it's all about the journey. I was going to tell you my favorite poem is a poem called Ithaca. Um, and you should YouTube the Sean Connery reading of it. Trust me on that one. Um, it's amazing. That's my takeaway for you. I will definitely take you up on that. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you. You have a beautiful brain, beautiful soul, beautiful mind. So thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Likewise. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, definitely.